0: three higher ed authors, 100 plus college and university presidents, dozens of actionable insights for academic leaders. Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education is now available on Amazon. Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to add up on the ed experience podcast where we make education your business. Of course, by now, you know, that commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education is now available for purchase. Yes, on Amazon. Yes, in bulk order. And you can do that by contacting me or my beautiful co-author, Kate Colbert. Um, We have been getting, and I want to just say thank you to the audience and those of you that bought the book and are reading it. Um, We've gotten pretty incredible, I mean, more than incredible uh, feedback from those of you that have purchased and have um, started reading um, the social media posts on LinkedIn in particular are amazing. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Um, and we do know, and we have uh, somebody here. Well, the first person we have here is my co-author, Kate Colbert. Kate, how are
1: you today? Oh, I am unbelievably good. Um, I'm in the after book release sort of nirvana. So uh, at the, all is right with the world.
0: Speaking of nirvana, um, I have brought with us today, Kate, now that the book is out, I feel like we could be interviewed about the book. Heck yeah. So I've yeah, I brought along somebody today that is a fairly good interviewer. He's becoming a better podcaster. Um, I've been teaching him everything I know. Some of it doesn't stick. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is, a guru of online learning. Dr. Bill Pepicello. Bill, what's going on? Hey, Joe
2: good to be here with you. And uh, I'll try to employ some of the, the many things that you have taught me during this interview today.
0: Well, thank you, Bill, for doing this. And of course, you can check, check out Head Up Insights uh, with, co- with uh, host Dr. Bill Pepicello, wherever you get your podcast. And Bill, you're going to bring some insights along with you uh, today, or at least you're going to ask us for insight about the book, right? Then I'm just uh, going to hand it to you. Great. Yeah, I am
2: indeed. And uh, those of you who do listen to my podcast, you'll be able to, uh, hear some of my follow-up because I'm going to steal a lot of stuff out of this book and pretend it was mine when I do my own (laughs) podcast. (laughs) As, as Joe and Kate know, I, um, I had uh, access to some of the the pre-publication pieces. And then, uh, when I got my, I got the Kindle version, sat down and, uh, went through it immediately. And, uh, Joe asked me if I'd like to participate in, uh, in this little activity here. And I said, well, I would, except that uh, I don't think that one episode of interviewing you guys is gonna do it because I had, as I told Joe, I was about halfway through the book and I already had four or five pages of notes. Um, so with any luck, this will be the first episode in, in, in a few uh, episodes that will, will cover a, a number of topics, um, in the book, related to the book, and whatever I feel like, because I'm driving the bus today.
1: Well, so. and you're you're one of our very favorite people right now, because it is not often that somebody releases a 558-page book, and somebody sits down and says, less than a week later, I finished reading it. So <laughs> um, thank you for that. Thank you for the, the time. And, and that's one of the things we always talk about um, in sort of the authorship world, right, is that, you know, people always ask, like, you know, when they price a book, like, you know, will people pay $30, $20, $40, whatever for a book? And I always tell people I'm like, not about will they pay for it? It's will they give you 8, 10, 15, 20 hours of their time? That's what's yeah. really valuable. And I think, I think Joe and I are always have really begun to feel the gratitude for that just in this first week, since the book released with how many very busy, very important, brilliant people have carved out time in their schedule to sit down and start reading or finish reading, as in your case. Thank you. Right.
2: And one of the things that we we should say is, yes, the book looks to be long. It's over 500 pages. But that said, it's a pretty easy read, um, especially for, for insiders in higher ed. And of course, I was very interested because uh, I talked about many of the things that um, that are in the book, on my own podcast, and I have uh, blogged earlier in my career, um, and so it was. Uh, it was very interesting for me to see this, and I've also had the opportunity to participate in uh, several of the uh, the, the interviews uh, in the, on this podcast. But enough about me. Let's uh, let's talk about commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education. Today I want to do some some fairly high-level stuff um, about the book. And then if we agree that we want to do more, we'll, we'll delve into some of the more specifics. But uh, let's start with commencement. You know, I've done dozens of commencements in my career with the University of Phoenix. And people are always surprised when I talk to them about commencement because they students often think of it as the end of something. And in fact, I have to explain to them it's not. So, you know, what is it the beginning of folks? Mm. Joe.
0: Well, you know what? I can't remember. I think Kate, you, you. I think you said commencement was the title, and we 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 were, you know, when you look at the pandemic and you look at post pandemic and you look at the conversations that um, we had on the Edup Experience podcast from pre pandemic all the way through. Uh, that point to to where we got it was, you know, higher ed isn't something new or needs to be something new, and at commencement was the most appropriate term to say yes, something has ended, uh, the the higher education of old uh, has ended, and the pandemic unveiled why higher education needs to advance faster than it has. That means a new beginning is upon us, or at least those of us that are willing to accept. Then a new beginning is upon us. And that's where w- why we felt commencement was the most appropriate title. Because if Bill, and you know this better than anybody, the financial model was broken. Uh, student enrollment uh cliff is still coming, COVID or no COVID, because of declining birth rates. Online education uh, was very confusing there during the pandemic. The the difference between emergency response, remote learning, and true, uh true designed online education. And so it's the beginning of of thinking differently, we think. Um, but we could be wrong. And I think this book will will um, make you see both sides and, you know, almost have internal arguments within yourself uh, along the way. That's I think that's where it came from, Bill.
1: Okay. okay. Yeah. I mean, I would also say that, you know, one of the things when we were thinking about titling the book is we wanted to make sure that we didn't do that sort of cliche, of uh, sort of old thing that a lot of academic books have done, where they've used metaphors that only apply to certain parts of the sector, right? So we didn't want a title that evoked images of a flowering quad and brick buildings because not all learning happens that way, not all institutions even sort of, you know, live on a campus physically anymore. And so we, we really thought about what is the one thing that all um, post-secondary education institutions have in common and most of them have some sort of celebration um, at the end of the, the, the learning. And, and we also wanted to honor the fact that, um, you know, higher education, colleges and universities around the world what they do is they focus on beginnings and ends, right? You matriculate into a program, you start or finish an academic term, you survive finals week, you cross a finish line in terms of a service learning project or thesis or comps or dissertation, you transfer to the next program. It's always about sort of that next step. And we we also spend a lot of time in this book talking about a new way of consuming higher education in terms of learners who come in, get a certain credential, step back out, go pursue part of their career, change their job, come back to higher education to help sort of level them up again. Um, and this whole idea of starting and stopping and starting and stopping and sort of beginnings and ends in a more fluid way, I think really um highlights what's happening in the industry right now in a way that we're excited about. And so yeah, we we loved we loved commencement as the title for this book and we hope our readers do too.
2: Great. Well, you know, let's let's talk about consuming the book since you brought it up, Kate. Um, you know, you have a wide audience to this podcast all over the world and all kinds of different people, you know, who should read this book?
1: Oh, my gosh. Well, I would say, you know, the book was written primarily for an audience of people who work in and for or around higher education. So if you work at a college or university, whether you're an executive, a faculty member, a Director of Enrollment, a manager in the Alumni Relations Office, um, anywhere you work, up, down, or across a college or university, you are going to find large swaths of this book are for you. Um, but we also wanted this book to resonate with people who serve higher education. So maybe um, maybe you're a K K twelve superintendent and you work really closely with a local community college because of your um, sort of dual enrollment programs, or maybe you. Are an ed tech consultant, or um, you know, an alumni relations or fundraising consultants, and and higher education is your space that you serve, and we wanted everyone who cares about higher education and and gives a portion of their sort of work and 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 love to higher education to find themselves in this book. So it's one of the things. Um, someone just asked us yesterday, what makes your book different than other books that are coming out about higher ed. And and the difference really is, is this, this is not a one topic book. This book is not just about rising tuition or financial aid. It's not a book just about like one piece of the problem or opportunity. It's about taking a broad look at where we've been in higher education, where we are now and where we're headed. So um, we also have things in here for the consumer. Um, so if you have a, a kid or you yourself are about to head off to college, um, there are some things in here that are really going to resonate. We're already hearing really, really great feedback on our section of the book called seven mighty tips for um, choosing the right college where we give insider advice about how to do everything from choose what schools to look at as, uh, all the way to negotiating your tuition.
0: Yeah, Joe, anything you would like to add to that? Yeah. I think, you know, I, the only part, yeah, though, I, I agree hundred percent with Kate. I think though this book, is um gosh it's for everyone right i mean if you are thinking about higher education if you are in higher education if you're going back to higher education particularly if you're a business with employees that where you're looking to offer higher education as a benefit maybe you want to know what universities are doing now and how they're being responsive or not being responsive to um, what you know, Bill, and, and I know, because we talked about it a million times, like the skilling and reskilling and upskilling and micro-credentials and not who's all in and online, who's not, um, who, who understands the headwinds ahead and who doesn't. And I think that's what I would say. I would say it's really for anyone, but particularly employers is one big category yeah. of people. Well, you know, Kate uh,
2: mentioned that uh, 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 this is a different kind of book for higher education, which is why people should, uh, uh, should want to read it. And I think Joe, you followed up on that very nicely, but let me do a little bit of commentary as we go into the, uh, into the next part, because you know, that's what I do is provide commentary. What, what really makes this book different is that it's not highfalutin, you know, there's, there's no filter in this book. It's transparent, it's honest, um, it's, it's primary um, sources versus secondary. For those of you who aren't familiar with that, it means it comes right directly from the mouths of the people who are interviewed. That's primary research. So we're not looking at summaries of what somebody said um, and trying to put it through a, a, a filter of bias or, or higher ed. And so you won't find a lot of um, confusing terminology because as we did these interviews and certainly in the ones I did, people were, were very straightforward. Um, and so they, you know, you, you don't get mired down. Um, and one of the comments that I made is that this is not um, uh, an academic case study. Um, so Thank what, you. you know, just really uh, briefly, what, what do you think the difference is between what you guys have done and the kind of um, dry case study approach (laughs) that people often take.
1: Joe? I'm going to let Joe jump in on that, and
0: I have some thoughts. Here's what what I'd say, and it's really simple. You know, um, when you interview so many people with such great insight, and you can get to a point where you can reproduce that, those exact quotes, those exact moments, the exact insights for an audience through something like a book, you start to realize the, uh, uh, the brilliance that exists, the power of innovation that's there, um, but you get it in an organic way. Because when, we, when you filter and you produce a case study and you summarize information, you take out some of the emotion, you take out some of the passion. Um, and some of these statements in, in a word-for-word fashion you can read the passion. The words are, you can, you can feel the passion through the words. And um, along with people saying exactly what they want to say. This is what they said. This is why it's great. And it was unfiltered. And they came on the podcast originally knowing that they could say what they wanted to because this podcast and this book create the opportunity for people who are work inside edu- higher ed to say exactly what they think and i um, not be vilified for or anything else, which is why I took my moments uh, through the book when writing with Kate to say exactly what I think high red professionals always want to say sometimes like, you know, I've always wanted, I always wanted somebody to say that accreditation is used as a red herring to prevent innovation. If you haven't said it, you've thought it. I said it. Okay. Maybe you didn't like that. I said it, but you know, you've thought it, or, you know, you've thought that there isn't really that big of a difference between for-profit and nonprofit higher ed. And if you have thought that um, you're being kind of elitist in a certain way, and I'm going to call you out. And I wrote it in there that way. And you might think that elite education is, you know, elitism is good for higher ed. And I'm telling you that's going to become a bad word. Um, And so I think we all think those things, but this gave everybody the opportunity to just say it. Kate? I yeah, I mean, right.
1: no, you're absolutely right. I mean, the candor and and I think there was something about the um, sort of pandemic moment, the fact that the interview started um, just before the pandemic hit, sort of in January 2020. Um, you know, the fact that a lot of these conversations started with like, "How are you? Are you healthy? How's your family? Are you safe?" that was interesting because there was an immediate connection i think be, between joe and elvin and 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 co-hosts and whatnot and and that i think allowed people to really bring their real selves to the microphone but in terms of how we wrote it because obviously this book is not just a string of quotes um that would be incredibly boring to read right even though the quotes are brilliant um and i agree some of them just literally jump off the page which is why when we designed the book Visually, we actually have what we call meme quotes. There are some quotes that have it's just a quote for the whole page, and you could take a picture of it and throw it on LinkedIn and whatnot. And we did that on purpose because these presidents we interviewed um, were just so brilliant and what they say often stands alone but how we stitched it together was really important and 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 uh, you know a little insider information when Joe and I first talked about writing this book together I'm, I'm a professional writer by trade and a higher education consultant um and and one of the things that was really important that we explored at the beginning of our relationship was you know, do either of us write in this really stilted, it sounds like you wrote it for your dissertation committee kind of uh, way, because I wasn't going to write that book. And I didn't want to have to edit that from from Joe either. And I was thrilled to find out that on paper, um, he's just who he is on microphone and in real life. And so, and that he's not afraid to point a finger at what's broken. And he's he's not afraid to be passionate about, hey, wouldn't it be great if we could make these strides forward as an industry? And here's how I think we do that. And so <clears throat> I came from inside higher ed, um, worked for a lot of, a lot of places and a lot of quote unquote leaders. Um, who would literally clutch their pearls or have heart attacks if they had heard me say some of the things I said in this book. Um, and so in many ways, it was cathartic to write this book uh, we finally got to say, uh, as Joe said, sort of all the things everyone's been thinking. Um, and and hopefully we articulated in a well, uh, well, but that said, you're not going to agree with everything that's in this book. And that's, I think, Bill, you had said to us um, early on when we gave you a sneak peek, you said, there are things I love. There are things that people are going to love. And there are going to be things in this book that people hate. And that's how you know you did it right. And that was actually quite encouraging to us during the writing process. So thank you for that. And, And you're absolutely right. I mean, we're going to be asking people for the rest of our lives, what did you find useful in this book? And what did you disagree with?
2: Yeah. Yeah, one of the, the uh, pieces of advice I, I give folks um, when I'm consulting is if you find that you've made everybody happy, you've done it wrong, because that's not the way it works. Um, but moving along, I, you know, we talked about who ought to read this book, and we haven't talked a lot about why they would read it and what they do with it. Now, one of the things that I commented on uh, to Joe the other day um, was, I think this book is like a, it's, it's a kaleidoscope. If you keep turning it, you, you get a different perspective and the colors change and the patterns change depending on who's talking and, and where you are. And, um, and I think I said in one of my comments um, to both of you, this is, is a big think piece it's sort of like a a long op ed. Um, And so what, you know, so it's not just to be read, I don't think, and digested and, and cogitated, but what kinds of uses do you think people
0: would have for this book? You know that the world of higher education is experiencing evolutions and revolutions. You want to be part of the progress. Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education with insights from more than 100 college and university presidents. will show you how get your copy of commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education. Now on Amazon, right away. We think you're going to love it. It's amazing. Oh
1: gosh. So I think, I I think that this book if you're working in or for or around higher education, um, can, should, and will give you um, courage as well as evidence. And what I mean by that is that a lot of people who work inside higher ed um, have been wanting to speak up about a particular issue. And you know how that is like, it's hard sometimes to do that depending on your relationship with your your leaders. Um, But to be able to say, hey, did you hear that this issue that we've been kind of avoiding this is really figures really large into this book commencement and here's how they explore it. Like, can we talk about that? Um, we we actually intend to be doing a lot of guided book clubs and um, leadership retreats at colleges and universities around the content and the themes in the books. And I think that's going to help people who are making decisions and executing on strategies at colleges and universities to have a safe space to talk about these issues, um, which is, I think, huge. But the evidence part is really important, right? So we found as as the interviews were being conducted that that we you know we might think oh well no there's no such thing as a university where the students earn cryptocurrency to pay down their tuition actually there is such an institution or so sometimes when we're trying to innovate in higher education or even just evolve slowly in higher education because the industry is so focused on parity, right? You know, you think that you have to look just like the other school down the street because that's what the accrediting folks think because they show up for your site visit. And and if, if it doesn't look like what they do at their school, they say, whoa, we haven't seen that before. That's not a good idea. So we cookie cutter our way through higher education. And this book gave us an opportunity to talk to 125 college and university presidents who told us stories about, how they've developed their curri- curriculum, how they deliver their learning, how they approach wraparound services, um, you know, what kinds of services they offer to the alumni, et cetera. And so we're excited because we know that people are gonna open parts of this book and go, I didn't even know that was possible. And then they're gonna take it to their boss or to their board or whoever, the president's cabinet, and say, did you know that this is happening in the industry? And if them, why not us?
0: Yeah. Joe? Yeah, I think that's right. And I would say... That, um, you know, we, we talk a lot on the podcast. We talked to a lot of leaders and the, the theme is change needs to happen. How does it happen? When does it happen? Why does it need to happen? We cover a lot of those uh, issues, um, thoughts, topics in the book so that you can use it like a workbook. That's the way I, and you know, I said this to you, Bill. I said, I feel like it's a it's like a workbook. Like you'd be taking notes in the margin and you'd be able to to march into a meeting and go, look, there's a school out there doing exactly what Kate just said, using cryptocurrency, as a, a, you know, to pay down student debt. What does that mean? How could we take that concept and do something with it? How can we take my, you know, how can we take rewards programs and implement it? How do we look at M&A as a strategic value add rather than a consequence of bad performance? How, 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 how? how? That's how you change industries, right? You got to ask the right questions. And I think this book is really a, a turning point, in my opinion, for how we need to think forward and not think present.
1: Yeah. And there's tons of homework just in case you thought we missed out on that, but, you know, the book is full of pop quizzes. Um, uh, Joe's sidebars are these moments where they basically just say, why aren't you doing it this way? And, and allow you to think on that. We've got reflection questions. Um, our contributor, um, Elvin Freitas wrote these really awesome practical sidebars in every chapter. They're like, like, Listical, right? list yeah. and he he walks you through how to do things whether it's in your enrollment services department and your alumni relations department and he gives you checklists for how to do things and so I you know I um, obviously we, we care about the copyright protection for this book but um, I, I'm going to be um, less frustrated and, and more uh, complimented if I find out that somebody photocopies, you know, one of those lists or what have you, takes it into a meeting and says, "We need to be doing this stuff." Um, that's why we did this. You know, we want this book to be um, kind of a, a playbook. Um, I, I did have somebody refer to it as the higher education Bible the other day and I think that was a joke about the size of it um, but, <laughs> but but in terms of you know a sort of a touchstone document that people can use at work, um, heck yes, um, I sure hope it's covered with tape flags and written all over and photocopied and all those good things.
2: Yeah and uh, we don't certainly don't want to uh, sell elvin short because I think his pieces are, Amazing! <laughs>
1: exactly. But, I'm
0: having t- some technology trouble with the uh, uh, buttons today. So well, I'm, I'm not. Like, I'm good. a little distorted.
1: <laughs> Bill's got That's, us covered.
2: You know, I had a couple of specific recommendations on how people could use this. Number one, it's a textbook. Um, certainly, at, at at the undergraduate level, um, and I think it's uh, it's grist for the mills of undergraduate or graduate seminars for exactly the reason that you said both of you said and that is if you don't want to say it, you can say well let's talk about what this other person said let's talk about the heresy right. and, you know,
1: is it here Joe yeah
2: yeah and I you know so I think that if if I were still uh, in the business, I would definitely, have that as on the syllabus for um, uh, for my graduate seminars in particular, because that's where the real uh, the real challenge lies.
1: Thank you. In fact, we actually just talked to someone yesterday about. Um, you know what does it look like for us to start having conversations with you know there are some really phenomenal you know um, a doctor of education programs and lots of folks who are inside higher education so who are working their way sort of up that um, proverbial ladder who are looking at uh, education sort of leadership degrees and and so there are entire programs all over the country. Um, That are maybe sort of cobbling together sort of business leadership texts and, you know, sort of more topical texts about higher ed, but you know, has there ever been a book quite like this about how to lead in higher ed and how to. To create change going forward and and to sort of kill the sacred cows and embrace new ideas and um, so we're certainly hopeful that those programs will be looking at commencement as a resource for those programs
2: yeah. You know, you're both talking about change and we're at the beginning of a new era and there's going to be change, you know, so here's the hard question. You can read about it in the book. um, But how do you drive it? Because it takes more than vision and energy. Amongst other things, it takes money. So, you know, how do we get off the dime on this stuff?
0: Mm, That's a toughie, isn't it? You know, I think there's a balance, right, Bill, between um, you know fiscal responsibility and and uh, R and D, right? I mean, we'd all like to R and D everything and and create new initiatives and create changes. It takes away the responsibility of managing an effective business, which is, I I think, where um, and you know how I feel on this um, that higher education and in institutions generally. Don't run like they, even though they are businesses, aren't run as businesses. And therefore, um, our product, which is academics, is usually overbuilt. Um, uh, low enrolled programs, underperforming programs, large expense. And those issues are really hard to tackle for a number of reasons that you could read about in commencement, the beginning of the era in higher education, right? Committees and faculty council, uh, commi- you know, f- faculty, senates, and um, uh, what else? We have a collective bargaining There's all sorts of reasons why that's prevented. Um, so you have to tackle those big issues in a way that creates space to really innovate. Or you have to do what some institutions do and they go by. You know that's why we reference Arizona and Ashford. Um, they they couldn't do what they wanted to to develop online within their institution, so they wanted one and bought one, and they buy it, and they've got an online bolt on, and that's the way they decided to innovate. So innovation can look different for different institutions, but that you've got to tackle those foundational issues, right? We know the business model will remain broken, no matter how much money you have to um, R and D yourself to. A prosperity. Like you've got to, you've got to have a solid hold of the business skills. And, and you know how I feel about that bill. Cause that's consumer based choice now, you know? So that's what I would say, but it does take money. Um, but you know what it takes thought it takes, I don't know. It takes energy. Like you said, sometimes it's not about how much money you have or don't have. It's about how hard you can push with the resources you do have, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, and we 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 understand and we're sensitive to the fact that a lot of our readers might work at you know community colleges where enrollment is down by ten percent and money's really really tight right now or at you know, small private liberal arts colleges that don't have a big endowment, right? So, you know, will the Princeton's of the world, you know, benefit from this book? Yes. And can they afford to execute on all the ideas we have? Yes. Uh, But there are plenty of people who don't. And so we we do talk about those financial realities. Uh, Chapter eight is called Keeping the Lights On, and it's all about those like where does the money come in? How does it come in? Where are we spending too much? And I can say from having worked on the inside, and and this is gonna, this is just one example. Um, obviously, cost control is a good place to sort of free up some cash, um, but obviously, the revenue is, is another piece of it. But you know, I worked at a, a medical sciences university as the head of marketing for a long time, and when we had a, brought on a new president, and and he was he sort of called him actually called himself a tyrant. And, and that wasn't too far from the truth. And, um, and he, he came in, and he started looking at the way we were doing things. And he realized that we have a lot of scientists who were conducting very, very expensive research, human subjects, research, animal research, and the animal labs are incredibly expensive to, to maintain, um, who no longer had any grant funding. There was nothing coming in from the NIH, there was nothing. And so we were using tuition dollars from students to pay for really expensive um, research uh, projects, and so he started shutting them down. And it was incredibly political and painful, and it was a difficult era for us, um, and these scientists were heartbroken. And um, But we basically started looking at everyone at the institution who was supposed to be contributing to the education of the students, as well as potentially advancing sort of scientific knowledge and saying, Prove it, like go teach really well and advance science. And if you're doing it in a way that's good, you will be able to attract students to pay tuition and we'll be able to attract grant funding um, or partnerships with pharma companies or whatnot um, to be able to do that research. But if it's just sort of keeping yourself busy, like we can't keep the lights on while we do that. And boy, did we free up a whole lot of money when we shut down a whole lot of scientific studies.
2: Wow, great. Well, you know, before we uh, we wrap up this first episode, I've got a couple of, uh, of final questions that I'd like to get your input on. And they're not the final questions that you always ask on, on this podcast. They
1: shouldn't be
0: on this-
2: <laughs> if you because- want to know
0: what we think about the future of higher education, pick up your copy of Commits in the beginning of a new era on higher education on Amazon. Or, you know, <laughs>
1: exactly. And like all good textbooks, the answers are on the back.
0: So- That's
2: right. But the um, the first is in uh, in 25 words or less, um, what does the current education landscape look like in America? You've been vagabonds um, and sort of gone across this landscape. What do you see?
0: I see, is that two?
1: That's two. Does that count? You have, you have 23 left. Mm. <laughs> I see. <laughs>
0: If I say the same two words continuously, it's still only two. Um, <laughs> we are generally educated without the right general education wow. for the future. Um, and and um, I won't get any examples, but I'll pull on a guest that I had way at the beginning who was the president of iHeartMedia that said... I don't care about general education. I need someone that can sell. So give me uh-huh. a class in sales and I'll hire graduates all day long. That's what I see, a, a, yeah. a coming change in what general education means for the future.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, yeah. That was yeah, 24
0: I, words just for the record.
1: It, that's, <laughs> it, was, it was perfect. Um, no, I, 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 see, I see an industry in which there is an opportunity um, to be ambitious. In a way we've never been, and to be ruthless in a way we've never been, meaning we need to hold ourselves to a higher standard. Um, it's time for our higher standards and higher education, and it's time to stop using terms like student centric when we don't actually put the students first. Um, this mm. takes me in my band by 25 words, but if you read the book, you'll know that I have said um, my vision for higher education in, in three words is outcomes for everyone. So how do we create access? How does every single person who wants to learn something past high school, which we all do, and we need it different things at different times, how do we, how do we serve everyone? And how do we give them measurable, meaningful outcomes? Um, there are ways to do that. This is not an impossible dream. Um, it, it just takes the will um, to do it. Um, and to link arms and to make tough decisions and to dismantle old structures um, and, and ways of, of doing things. And so um, no, nothing is sacred um, except mm-hmm. except a mission to educate learners. That's I it. do want
0: to say, though, real fast, fast, Kate, on your behalf, too, let's not make the mistake of thinking when we, we talk about this book, Commencement, and we're talking in these um, uh, about Uh, are giving answers to these questions that we're thinking about brick and mortar institutions that happen to live in uh, the city that where you're standing, we're talking about online baby. And we're talking about the 39 million adult learners out there with some college, no degree, some of the fastest growing institutions in the world, globalization of learning. You know, it is not regional or national anymore. It is truly global. You could study wherever you want for any, whatever university you want in the world. It changes the game right
1: yeah. and, and is there and is there an a place for every kind of institution still in that the landscape bill you know um you know i think a lot of people are worried that you know there's going to become these sort of you know mega institutions right mega universities or what happens to the little guys or but what about our vocational or book voc tech school or what about this military, military academy all of those institutions have important roles to play Um, and they can play them differently, and in some instances, they should be playing those roles in partnership with one another, Um, and so uh, I have a reader of the book whose um, son just um, started an apprenticeship program um, in sort of robotics and mechatronics, that kind of stuff, and it's kind of a, a sort of a vocational program paired with a community college program. Um, And his dad is like, oh, this book is so helpful because it's helping me think about the entire landscape of what learning looks like after grade 12, not just quote unquote higher education. Um, And uh, yeah, so there's a lot to think about, but Joe's absolutely right. It's not just one definition of what you think higher ed used to be.
2: And and that's one of the the topics for one of our upcoming uh, continuations of this is where higher ed stands vis-a-vis society in general, which I think is a fascinating question. But my last question for you in this fascinating episode, um, which see what I did there, Joe? I did. Okay. Um, Is what is the most important message in this book?
0: Mm, Kate, I'm going to defer to you first. (laughs) I got to think about that one.
1: Well, I mean, I think the most important its probably the last sentence of the book is that the beginning of a new era in higher education begins with you. The most important message in this book, once we've presented all of the challenges that we face and the different ways to think about them and the ways that folks are innovating at different institutions and and we challenge you to ask yourself these questions, the most important message is that we cannot individually rest on our laurels, whether we work inside a university, we consult to universities, et cetera. We can't sit here and say, gosh, I really wish this industry would change. We have to change. Next time you walk into a a, a meeting with your team, next time you talk to the president at your institution, um, the next time you do anything, um, if you continue to speak and act from the old playbook, you are part of the problem. And so um, we, we really want people to feel empowered one at a time. And then collectively, once hundreds or thousands of you have all read the book, um, to, to be the change that we know that you believe in. Um, so I think the most important message um, for our readers is empowerment, that they are the ones who are going to take this industry forward on behalf of the students and learners um, who, who deserve their very best. Okay.
0: Mine simple. No students, no higher ed. And if you truly want to grow and you truly want to be relevant and you want to be able to innovate and do all the things you want to do, the student truly has to be the end all be all for your decision-making. If it's institutionally based decision-making, you'll lose. If you don't look at the higher education as a business, you'll lose. If you don't invest in marketing, you lose. And, uh, students are consumer. And if you're, um, going to meet that consumer where they are and know that the generation of the digital native is already here and coming in a more robust way. You better bring in that tech um, because there's an expectation. That, that's what I think we are trying to show at the beginning of a new era is that it really is. And that's a, another topic that we'll take up
2: in is having the student at the center. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And there's a huge uh, chapter, chapter uh, four of the book is called people imperative and um, folks who are are sitting up and listening closely as Joe talks about student centered and um, you're going to love that chapter and and if I can give a mic drop by quoting my co author Joe Salustio. we actually have a big sort of meme quote in the book um, for one of the most brilliant things that he's he's ever said, um, though he says brilliant things every day, all day. Thank you, um, it's something Joe said while we were working on this book and, and it was, education is a business and students are consumers. If you don't understand that, you've already lost.
0: True enough. Mm. Dang, that is pretty dang good.
1: I that, know, mic that's, drop that's, moment there for you, huh?
2: Probably something I told you, Joe, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> But at, at this point, uh, to, to wrap up this segment, first of all, I want to want to thank the two of you for agreeing to do this, and I and I hope you'll uh, uh, you'll agree to to do some more because what I really want to do in in the follow ups is hit some of the high points so yeah. that if people go yeah. through the table of contents, they go, oh, that's what that chapter is about. Yeah, and we, oh, we I really it. need to read it. Yeah, um,
1: let's do a whole series. I mean, listen, this thing this thing was born from a podcast, um, and we should continue. Um, growing it and nurturing it um, in, the, in the podcast environment. So thank you, Bill, for agreeing yeah, to you, interview well. oh, so us. Yeah.
2: My pleasure. And Joe, before I turn the keys back over to you, I just want to thank everyone who's listening for um, putting up with me for this uh, for this particular podcast and for ordering your copy of Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education, hard copy, Kindle, Get it anywhere books are sold. Joe, and with that, ladies away. and
0: gentlemen, and with that, please um, let me thank my co-host, Kate Colbert, and the amazing Dr. Bill Pepicello for um, being the uh, MC of this episode. You've just upped It's time to level up. The beginning of a new era in higher education begins with you. Order your copy of Commencement. The Beginning of a New Era in Higher Education by Kate Colbert, Dr. Joe Salustio. with contributions by Elvin Freitas. It's Higher Educations Must Read Book of 2022. Discover how you can seize the moment to change higher education forever. Commencement, The Beginning of a New Era in Higher Education now available on Amazon. For bulk orders, contact Kate, Joe, or Elvin.